and welcome to episode 52 of the BMcast. Not a podcast that complains that dice rolling on magic cards ruins the integrity of the game because you can't show off your big boy brain wrinkles through randomness, but at the same time forget that the game is full of variants like shuffling, collective company, and even rolling a dice to see who goes first. But the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I'm Scott and I'm joined by the inspiring bard herself, Emma. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing good, thanks. Um, been busy with Forgotten Realms previews because they started uh, last week, so I've been busy mm. at MTG Rock sorting that out. Uh, so I haven't really had too much time to write as a result. In terms of magic, however, I spent a lot of time this week sorting out my collection because I should have done it before I moved, but, mm. you know, who has time for that? Um, so I've been clearing out cards, just trading stuff to my LGS at Langdon Games, um, mm. and just piled up a load of store credits. I think that's just the best way to go about it. Um, yes. And with that, I did pick up a nice foil full art force of will for the not so peasant cube now, because my cube's becoming quite expensive. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's, that was a nice pickup. It's nice to have some non-turf force of will art. Yeah. With that, I'm also updating my existing modern decks for the ever slow return of paper play in England. Um, mm. I've updated Mono Green Tron to the best of my ability. I do need one more Urza Saga because apparently Tron plays that because why not? And also, I've started picking up half of Dredge because most of it is bulk rares and commons and uncommons. And I picked up half the deck for like 40 quid yesterday yeah. and it was great. It's just like, I love how affordable Dredge has become. I know like at one point it wasn't, um, but it's a really nice deck to pick up. So the thing is with Dredge, right? Like, I know I'm going to lose a lot with it because it's quite a difficult deck, but I'm kind of looking forward to learning about it at the same time. Yeah. It's going to yeah. be quite exciting. Otherwise, I've been playing a lot of Sonic Mania because that is free on the Epic Games Store because it's been 30 years since Sonic came out and it was a nice bit of nostalgia to get back into. So, how have you been? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. In terms of content this week, my article is all about modality, about how extra choices influence and improve gameplay and how Adventures in the Forgotten Realms is absolutely packed full of modal spells, as you can tell by the 700 different options that are available even on the commons. It's sort of a follow-up to my modal cards piece that I did a while back. So like, if you like cards with flexibility and the concepts behind them, it's worth checking it out over in Card Kingdom. In terms of playing Magic, I'm still playing a lot of Modern. Like an awful lot of Modern. Nice. You know, I'm still playing Monterey Phoenix. I'm enjoying Is It Blitz as well. I'm still playing Hollow One. I'm having a great time. You know, they're a little pricey, but I'm actually considering getting some Murktide Regents so I can build like a Delver style deck. Ooh, that card's really good. Mm. I will, however, be refraining from buying Ragavans though, because it, I'm sorry, like a one drop is not $60. It's it's not. I have three because I managed to open three, what? but I w I'm so reluctant to buy the fourth. <laughs> I might trade for it at some point, like just to complete the set. But it's just like, like you, I just can't justify spending that much money on a card. No. Um, and to keep it because I know if I want to play those decks, it's going to cost even more later on. Like That price is just going to go up, I think. Yeah, for sure. Outside of Magic, I've actually been doing something different this week. I've been learning some Japanese and some German. So, Ooh. Yeah, I've always wanted to learn Japanese. And I studied German in school and forgot an awful lot of it. So I thought I'd focus on them and try and get those up to a reasonable level, you know? So I picked up Duolingo. Like I know it's not the perfect method and it can only really bring you so far, but the way that it just gamifies learning is extremely engaging for me. Like nice. I'm spending about half as much time on social media now and the rest of that time is now just going into learning a skill. Like that's an absolute win in my eyes. Yeah, that sounds great. 
If you enjoy the BM cast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. You'll get access to all of the notes and deck lists they use on the show, and their $7 tier gives you VIP access to the greatest budget resources of any magic podcast. So what are you waiting for? Visit patreon.com forward slash budget magic cast to level up your game and get your stonks on. All right. So before we delve deeper into the dungeons of Adventures in Forgotten Realms, Emma, I believe you've got a card of the week this week. Do you have a card of the week this week? And this week it is from a card from Battlebond, which is a great set for mm. those two other giant draft players. Um, and the card is Azra Oddsmaker. Uh, so for under a dollar, you can get a Azra Warrior, not to be mistaken with a demon. It is a free-free. Uh, it's one generic black and a red. At the beginning of your combat on your turn, you may discard a card. If you do, choose a creature. Whenever that creature deals combat damage to a player this turn, you draw two cards. It's a really nice discard engine in the kind of decks that you want to play in Commander. So like reanimated style decks, you just want to pitch your biggest threat. Also, it's card draw in colours that often struggle with it because it's red and black. So often you'd have to use resources to draw cards like trade away life, trade away creatures. In this way, like trading a card just seems fine given the sort of style of deck you are. Another thing, it encourages combat, which is something that is not utilised enough in Commander, I don't think. Also, if you play Pauper EDH, it's a really great Pauper EDH Commander, because it's an uncommon. Yeah, for sure. I have actually seen this show up in some, like, CEDH stuff as well. Like, it's oh, really? it's a little particular, but, yeah, it can do, because it's, it's just a very, very good card for what it does. Yeah. Right, oh, let's gather our party and head on in Dungeons & Dragons Adventure in the Forgotten Realms. Previews are happening. Well, as of recording, it's Sunday, so they're still happening. But by the time you hear this, it's going to be all said and done and everything's going to be out in the open. We are going to be going through a couple of the cards that stand out to us as being particularly interesting or sweet or things that we want to get or play with ourselves. So let's kick things off. I'm going to start with something out of left field completely, right? Let's start talking this ages about the- really well from the last week's recording. <laughs> yeah. It does, it does. So first thing we're going to do is we're going to talk about uh, sweet new commanders that we're interested in. And the first one is Trelasara Moondancer is green-white for a 2-2 legendary elf cleric that reads, whenever you gain life, put a plus one, plus one counter on Trelasara Moondancer and scry one. Yes, I know last week I said that Selesnya is the worst color combination, and I still stand by that. However, if you put Najani's Pride Mate in the command zone, you've got to find some way to make me not play it, because I'm going to play it. It's so cool. I don't know what it is about it. Like, in green-white, you normally see, like, you know, bad landfall decks or token decks or elves and stuff, and, like, they're none of the things that I'm interested in. However, Big Timmy, Gain Life, Make Big Smash... Sometimes appeals to me too, so you know. Yeah, and you can play Johnny's Pride Mate as well. You can you can play a functionally functionally identical copy of your commander yeah. in the ninety nine. And you got like <laughs> soul, so you got like Soul's Attendant, Soul Warden. You got Essence Warden as well. Like yeah. Future Priest is another good one. So you can just make this. You can just make Soul Sisters in Commander and just make everyone hate you for scribbling your life total down for like two hours. Yeah, yeah, I'm okay with that. I'm. <laughs> Liking that idea, you could also potentially focus on like auras and that kind of thing because there's a lot of them that will give you lifelink and then there's cards mm. like Herald of the Pantheon and the more recent Sithis Harvest Sand that will gain you life for every aura that you play or draw you cards and that's a good way to sort of keep an engine running as well. So 
Yeah. Also, that's... you could just run a couple of little combos because you can run like Archangel Thune and Spike Feeder as well. Yeah. And you can also run... Devoted Druid combo as well. You can run the Vizier combo if you fancied it. Like... Yeah. And another combo that you can run with it actually is Siona, Captain of the Pileys from Terrors mm. Beyond Death because she combos with Shielded by Faith to make infinite soldiers, which yeah. she pays you off for playing auras and Shielded by Faith is an aura and it can very easily slot in and just be really good by itself. So, yeah, it looks like a really good commander to, to play around with. Also, she's an uncommon, so PDH commander. And I'm going to keep yes. bringing up PDH because there's some really nice <laughs> uncommon legendaries in this set. Um, so I I might be tempted to build like soul sisters on a PDH level like mm. with loads of commons and stuff with like tokens effects that might, yeah. that might be my challenge nice um, so next up we have a really interesting card actually there's been a lot of talk about this in the commander community and that's Oswald Fiddlebender so mm. for one generic and a white you get a legendary creature which is a gnome artificer uh, you pay a white to tap it and you can sacrifice an artifact, search your library for an artifact card with mana value equal to 1 plus the sacrifice artifact mana's value, put that card onto the battlefield, then shuffle, and you can only activate this as a sorcery. So basically this card is artifact birthing pod, which seems quite powerful, yep. especially you are in a colour that cares about artifacts quite a bit, um, whether that be ramp or equipment or just any sort of big threat. Mm. It may be restrictive as a commander because it is just a white card it's just mono white yeah. but it seems really really good in the 99 alongside like some Boris commanders for example or even even like the Esper sort of Brea like you know yeah, commander sure. decks as well it just seems a really good way just to add to that already impressive tutor package but yeah it seems really good yeah absolutely that should be I wouldn't be surprised if that became something that was regularly seen in the 99 of artifact decks in general going forward yeah uh, one that I'm very excited by is Volo Guide to Monsters. So yeah, it's I'm, sweet. I'm not normally wild on Simic. I made a point of talking about this on Twitter recently. I'm not normally wild on Simic because it's just rando value. And like, if there's anything that's going to get me not interested in something, it's complete lack of synergy and just absolute random good stuff. Does not appeal whatsoever. However, the way in which Volo works is fantastic. So I'm going to read Volo. Two, a green and a blue for a 3-2 legendary human wizard that reads, whenever you cast a creature spell that doesn't share a creature type with a creature you control or a creature card in your graveyard, copy that spell. So the copy will become a token. So this is fascinating because it's basically anti-tribal tribal. You do mm. not want to have a repeat of a creature type wherever possible which means that this is a fantastic deck building challenge where you have to try and get as much value and synergy into the deck without going for the obvious things of like, you know, oh, I can put in like a construct package here or I can put in like a collection of Merfolk or something. It, you just can't do that because Volo just doesn't work well then. So it's a really cool deck building challenge and I would say it would be great for finding new favorite cards through building it, you know, while you're going through Scryfall searches and that kind of thing. Yeah. I'd say that would be both a very sweet and interesting deck and one that would probably improve your deck building skills overall. Yeah, because you, you can have some really weird, like, creature types, can't you? Like Sponge, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you can get you can get really... Oh, like, you can run, like, a Sliver as well, like one of the yeah. Simic Slivers, perhaps, just to get value off it. Yeah. <laughs> one I'm quite excited about and is 
quite a popular character within the D&D multiverse, and that is Xanathar, Gil Kingpin. Mm. So for four generic, a blue and a black, you get a legendary creature that is a, has the Beholder typing, which is quite nice to see. So it reads, At the beginning of your upkeep, choose target opponent. Until the end of turn, that player can't cast spells, and you may look at the top card of their library at any time. You may play the top card of their library, and you may sp- spend any mana as though it was any mana of any colour to cast spells this way. Mm-hmm. Um, so this seems really fun. Um, it's really uh, cool for like a Steely Demir style deck, which is what you often see in Commander. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you aren't feeling send triplets because send triplets offers quite a, a reputation at the table uh, and can be quite oppressive while this does a similar thing I just think it'll be a lot more fun and a lot more friendlier compared to send triplets yeah. um, and you don't have to go like the super steely route you can just have a really flavorful sort of D&D style deck because it is Xanathar you could have some fun with it with cards like Sphinx of the Second Sun that gives you an extra phase so you can steal more cards. And then you've got stuff like Lantern of Insight that can manipulate the top deck so you know what you're taking from people before you decide on um, on your upkeep. But yeah, this one seems pretty fun. Yeah, it seems like it would be a very awkward one to do over webcam, but with Paper Magic yeah. on Yeah, it's, not, it's not webcam friendly, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. cool design either way. Yeah, so they are some of the sweet new commanders that we are interested in ourselves. Before we jump into the other cards that we like, we thought we would talk a little bit about one of the main mechanics of the set, and that is Venture. So Venture essentially is an ability that is on different cards that will either happen when you cast a spell or when a creature enters the battlefield or when they attack or when they die or something. And essentially it goes into one of the three dungeons. Um, You've seen the, the dungeons. They've been out and about for a little bit now. Some people are concerned with how it could end up potentially influencing a number of different things, potentially different formats and that kind of thing. I don't know about that, to be honest. You know, mm. like people people are seeing like, oh, well, it doesn't, they, the dungeons don't take up sideboard slots and all you have to do is just play cards that say venture into the dungeon and then you're going to get some like additional value that other people aren't going to get. And from what I can see so far... Is it kind of feels like it's going to be a limited mechanic? Like it might end up in standard, maybe? It feels a very limited mechanic, but mostly it just feels like a, a mechanic that D&D players can associate mm. with when they play the set. Because this is who the set's for, right? It's for the enfranchised D&D players that are going, oh, cool, what's magic? You know, oh, I get to venture a dungeon with so-and-so. This is great. You know, it's it, it allows that sort of progression, um, which D&D players absolutely love. I think there's a lot of apprehension because people are associating it with companion because that is very similar as in you get this value mm. from a zone and you can and it's all, it's quote unquote free right so a lot of people are skeptical about it um i think it's cool and i'm very excited to try it out because there's only like three dungeons right there's there's no yeah. more coming out um yeah. so th- that in itself seems fine um, i don't know how you choose do you like choose one do you have them beforehand do you can you choose from all three like i've not really looked at it too much to be honest but yeah seems well, cool either way the, the way it works is you always have access to the three dungeons and once you start one you have to complete it before you go into another one. Oh, so, okay you can't do multiple at the same time okay no, uh, that no, makes sense yeah. so the things that look like they might be good enough are things like Yuanti Malison, which mm. is one in a blue for a 2-1 snake rogue and it can't be blocked as long as it's attacking alone. And whenever it deals combat damage to a player, venture into the dungeon. So it's a repeatable venture effect. 
It says it can't be blocked as long as it's attacking alone. So that incentivizes attacking by itself, which means that if you have multiples of these, you're not necessarily venturing into the dungeon multiple times in a turn. So yeah. it, it does look like they have taken some efforts to make sure that it doesn't get abused. And then mm. you have other cards like, now this might not be the actual exact perfect translation because we don't have the English version yet, but quote unquote fly is one blue for an aura and an enchanted creature and says enchanted creature is flying and whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, venture into the dungeon. So again, another repeatable effect. They might be good enough, but it does feel like you need to put in sort of subpar cards. Like none of these cards are like particularly aggressive on rate. So... Mm. Yeah, I'd say it's going to be, like, if it's going to show up in the likes of Standard and stuff, it's going to be in a deck that's built around venturing an awful lot. Or it could just be from, like, cards, some of the cards have, like, you know, you get this bonus if you've completed a dungeon. And yeah. if they're good, then, yes, venture might be very good. But... It just yeah. kind of reminds me of um, Strixhaven's Lesson Learn mechanic, where you kind of have bit. to play some average cards to get something else out of it which is it's fine in itself for limited right i'm not sure how it's gonna play on constructed part of me wishes there is like a a venture standard deck because that would just be sweet and i'd play it because you know it's dandy yeah yeah it'd be very flavorful very fun but, but then you've got brain crusher giant so what's the point so yeah yeah we might have to wait until post rotation for uh roll for on september to, to really take off yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. until uh, until eldraine block constructed rotates so yes <laughs> uh, when it comes to uh, commander i don't really see it making a huge impact there again the thing that's going to really stand out there is if there's anything in the pre-cons which as of time of recording we haven't seen if there's anything there that can like repeatedly send you through dungeons or if there's like really massive payoffs for completing dungeons but other than that yeah it does feel a little small ball like, if you're doing yeah. it to get the bits out of the dungeon, they're all really, really minuscule in terms of commander gameplay. So, yeah, I think it'd be all down to completing dungeons at that point. But yeah. we'll see. So that is Venture. Now we're going to round things off with a list of other cards we like is the, the, the title. The, of I this just section. think it's neat section of the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a bunch of neat stuff. So... I figured what better way to start it off than with the potential second coming of Arclight Phoenix. I'm talking about Demi Lich. Right. Oh, this card's sweet. Oh, this card is so good. It's blue, 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 blue for a 4-3 skeleton wizard. Now get ready. The text box on this is longer than my intro. Uh, the spell costs a blue less to cast for each instant and sorcery you've cast this turn. Whenever Demi Lich attacks, exile up to one target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard. Copy it you may cast the copy, so you still have to pay mana for it. You may cast Demi-Lich from your graveyard by exiling four instants and or sorcery cards from your graveyard in addition to paying its other costs. So it's kind of like Arclight Phoenix in that it's looking for you to cast multiple spells in a turn. It can come back from your graveyard just in a different form. I see it being really good. It's a little less explosive than Phoenix because it doesn't have haste and you have to fulfill a number of criteria or whatever but you could potentially get it out much sooner you know so in modern you could go manamorphose and then do another manamorphose and then this just costs you know two or whichever yeah that seems much easier but yeah we'll have to see how that plays out i think it could show up in pioneer phoenix i don't know if it'll what's really show format? up in standard all that much i know what what's pioneer right what's pioneer <laughs> but is it new it, is, um, yeah is it a, like, <laughs> 
I don't know. I don't know. I heard it. it I heard it's like old modern or something. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. F- Frontier. No, that's what you're on about, right? Frontier. Yeah. That's tiny, tiny leaders. What? No. Oh, Wait. don't get me started. Tiny leaders. <laughs> I love tiny leaders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Rip and pioneer. Uh, but Rip. yeah, I, I can see this showing up as far forward as pioneer. I can't necessarily see this showing up in standard. It might. It might. But the further back, the more powerful it is. You know, yeah, like, I've seen I've seen some discourse on Twitter from the, some of the, like legacy lot going probably do quite well in legacy because you've got like free free cheap spells and you've got like ponders and brainstorms and whatnot and you can just really lean into that. So yeah, that'll be sure. interesting to see. It's a really cool design either way. Yeah, absolutely. It, if only Cataxian Probe was unbanned in modern day. Eh? Oh my god, how dare you even suggest that? <laughs> <laughs> Coming from a Phoenix player, that says a lot. That sounds a lot. <laughs> Uh, next one up is one I'm quite excited about, and that is Guardian of Faith, which, mm-hmm. if you're familiar with D&D, is a nice level 4 spell for a paladin as well. So for one generic and two white, you get a creature, which is a spirit knight. It has flash and vigilance. When Guardian of Faith enters the battlefield, any number of other target creatures you control phase out. Uh, and it's also a free two. Um, so it's like a little fairy's protection for creatures, which I quite mm-hmm. like. Could be quite good in Commander because it just like, gives you another of that effect that protects you against board wipes. And more importantly, it's also a spirit. So it could be relevant for Modern and the form- formerly a Pioneer to protect you know protect your creatures from removal and sweepers. Yeah. Um, it can cause a lot of tension with other free mana value creatures because you have stuff like Skyclave Apparition, you have Spellqueller, Drogskull Captain, Imperian Eagle in Pioneer. So there's a lot of tension for fighting for that free, that free mana spot. Mm. It doesn't fly, but the vigilance is really nice, as is the flash, and it does work well with Lord Effects in like Modern and Pioneer because it's a free two, so it can block an attack for days. Um, mm. This is one I kind of want want to see in like sideboards of those spirits decks. I wouldn't play it mainboard, um, but it just oh, might no, be a cool yeah. getcha if uh, you're expecting a lot of like you know supreme verdicts and you don't have a spell collar up, for example. It just seems a really cool card, and in Commander yeah. it just feels quite good as well because it's just another Teferi's protection. Yeah, I see this being a commander staple from now until probably the end of time or until they have a strictly better version of this. It's just so powerful. You know, yeah. it gets around Cyclonic Rift, it gets around like Merciless Eviction, it gets around like Wrath of God, it gets around any kind of like mass board destruction. This is going to be particularly good in like token decks as well. Yes. Because when tokens phase out, they phase back in. It's not like they're getting exiled. Super useful with the likes of. Voltron commanders and stuff with auras and everything because the auras phase out with the creatures. Yeah. So that's nice too. Moving on to the next one, we have Wish. That's just what it's called, Wish. So this is a clear reference to the Wish spell in D&D. Very powerful. It's two and a red for a sorcery. You may play a card you own from outside the game this turn. So this is one of the most powerful Wish effects that has ever been printed. You know, legacy players are looking at this and going, Burning Wish who? So mm. this can get any card. That's phenomenal. Three mana is pretty easy to get in Storm decks and stuff. And like people are seeing the problem with this as you, that you have to play the card on the turn that you cast Wish. Like you're probably comboing off anyway. Like if you're Burning Wishing for something to put it into your hand and then hope that you can combo next turn, you, you're not in a great spot like 99% of the time. You're just not. You know, so Wish is just good. You know, they, I, I'm genuinely considering putting one of these in Twiddlestorm over a second Grape Shot. 
So I can, yeah, because a lot of Twiddle Storm lists run one grape shot. I run two grape shots because people I play against have cling to dust. And if my grape shot ever ends up in the bin, it gets clinged and then I can't win the game. So I always have two. Now I can use Wish in place of the second grape shot, which will allow me to go and get something from the sideboard, be it either a bounce spell for some piece of hate or a different win condition like an Aria of Flame or an Ignite Memories against Tron or something. Something good like that, you know? So, yeah, I can see this showing up. Definitely pick one up if you can. Yeah, seems good. And another card I'm excited about, unsurprisingly, it's another white card. And it's a new kind of design for the set. Um, so you have a a cycle of class cards, which is in reference to the classes in Dungeons & Dragons. Um, so the one I picked out is called Paladin Class. It is an enchantment. So think of these as like level-up cards on creatures, but they're just on enchantments. Um, they're not sagas, they don't disappear unless they get removed by a particular spell. Um, but just treat these as like level-up cards that just hang around. Um, so Paladin Class is a, for one white mana, you get spells your opponents cast during your turn cost for more to cast. So that's what it comes in as. Mm-hmm. And then you can pay two generic and a white to level that up. And then the level up is creatures you control get plus one, plus one. So it's just a, an anthem effect for free mana. And then... The, the third level, the final level, is for four generic and a white. You get whenever you attack until end of turn, target attacking creature gets plus one, plus one for each other attacking creature and gains double strike. Like, this just seems really good for, like, white-based aggressive decks because mm-hmm. the first ability just protects you from any interaction on your turn. Yeah. And then you got a built-in Lord of Effect if you fancy it later on and you just want to push through those final points of damage. I don't think I'd ever go to level three because it just seems a bit, bit much. However, just the idea of having multiples of these out because they're not legendary, so you can run, you can have all four out at the same time and have them all on different levels, and these all do stack up. So I'm looking once you know Eldraine's not in standard anymore. I'm looking to build like a mono white aggro deck with like four of these in it because it just seems quite fun. Yeah. So I have some thoughts on the class cards and. Uh-huh. They're really good. Like, I know some people are looking at them being like, oh, they're kind of neat, they're kind of role players or whatever. Like you said, for this one, it's good with like aggressive decks and that kind of thing. But what's fantastic about this is that these are excellent mana sinks. You know, if you're okay with the base value, the very first level, then this is very, very good. Because say like that in aggressive decks, later on in the game, you might be a little low on things to do. You know, you can just stick some mana into this and give your creatures plus one plus one or you can just like pump five mana into it if you you know top deck a land and you need to find some way to punch through a little bit more these are excellent it it, this is essentially giving you more options which i'm a huge fan of huge huge fan of more options equals more fun and yeah i i think that's something that's being overlooked at the moment if you're okay with the baseline one like the sorcerer class the blue red one where it just says Mm. draw two discard two if, if you're happy to have that in the deck alone, then everything after that is just gravy. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm big on these. They're really flavorful as well, which I'm, I'm quite a fan of. It's just nice to have one of each class from Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm a big fan of these. And there's a couple at, like, Uncommon and Rare as well. There's a couple mm-hmm. of different rarities, which is quite nice as well. Yeah, for sure. Another card that I like that is a little unusual i suppose is scaled herbalist so scaled herbalist is one in a green for a one three lizard druid which is a great creature type line already but it has the ability to tap it and you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield now that doesn't seem particularly impactful or powerful but it is a Mm. rare effect there are only 
a couple of other cards like Llanowar Scout, Sakura Tribe Scout, and Walking Atlas that actually have the same ability. The reason that I bring this up is because it goes infinite in Commander if you have Retreat to Coral Helm, a Bounce Land, and then any kind of landfall effect. You just go infinite with one of these creatures. So what happens is you tap this to put the Bounce Land from your hand onto the battlefield. Retreat to Coral Helm will trigger. You choose to untap the creature that you tapped to put the Bounce Land in in the first place. And then the, with the Bounce Land trigger, you return the Bounce Land to your hand. So you're now back at the exact same starting point, but you've now triggered a land to enter the battlefield. So if you have, say for argument's sake, you have Tatiova Benthic Druid out, you draw your entire deck. You know, if you have a Valakut online, you just deal infinite damage. You know, there are a number of different ways to be able to abuse this and go to town and just go infinite with it. So it's nice that it's an additional bit of redundancy for that combo as well. Yes, card seems very good. It's not one I would have picked up on when uh, looking through previews, so it's a good find. Mm. Good spot. Um, next one is one I'm quite excited about, um, considering I'm looking to build Affinity as well, mm. and that is Treasure Vault. So Treasure Vault is a artifact land, which is an important bit here. <laughs> comes in untapped. Uh, you tap to add one generic. And then you've got a double X cost of Sacrifice, Treasure Vault, Create X Treasure Tokens. This just seems really good in any artifact deck pot, like it's, it's legal in or you can play it in. Mm-hmm. Sam Duncan Infinity is the only other like artifact land that comes in untapped alongside Dark Seal Citadel, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Converting them like sinking mana into treasures works well with cards like Cranial Plating and all that glitters because you, you essentially you're just pumping up your team. Um, and it also just seems like a slam dunk in like the mono red uh, artifact heavy commanders as well because you've got stuff like Doxite and Extortionist and just many like incredible ways to make treasure. So it's just really good fixing, if anything. Um, but yeah, it just seems really powerful and it's not legendary, so you can run four of them in, in constructed formats yeah. as well. Absolutely. It's very good. There's a couple of things that are interesting about this as well. They're like little more niche applications. And that is if you have someone like say Dalakos is your commander their tap ability they add colorless mana and it's only to activate uh, abilities of artifacts you can do that with this because it's an artifact land mm. so you can yeah. actually use that additional mana uh, also you don't have to pay anything to sacrifice this you can pay yeah. zero and make zero treasures and just sacrifice this now where that will become relevant I don't know but it is worth pointing out that it is a land that is an artifact and can also just sacrifice itself for no reason. Also, I realised Goldspan Dragon exists. Seems very good with that. Yeah, that too. <laughs> that might be a standard deck. Who knows? We'll wait until Eldraine rotates out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so one card that I have always loved myself was Glintness Crane. So it's from Kaladesh, I think Remember it was. And one in the blue, yeah. like one three flyer ETB. Look at the top four cards of your library. Get an artifact card, colourless card. Yeah. Yeah. So, to no surprise, when I saw Ingenious Smith, I got very excited. It's one and a white for a 1-1 human artificer. And when Ingenious Smith enters the battlefield, look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal an artifact card from among them and put it into your hand. And then put the rest in the bottom of your library in any order. However, it doesn't have flying, but it does have whenever one or more artifacts enter the battlefield under your control, put a plus one plus one counter on Ingenious Smith. And this ability triggers only once each turn. So it's it's basically a glitness crane, except it grows itself. So mm. it's a value piece 
in white, which is nice to have, but it's a value piece that rewards you for playing the game, provided that you're actually building around it, so that you're actually, you know, working with artifacts. And if you can reliably put an artifact into play each turn, this is an incredibly good, cheap threat that has already replaced itself. It's really good. I think this, yeah. like, if there's a deck that this can slot into, in the likes of Standard or even Pioneer or something, it's going to be very, very powerful. Yeah, it seems really sweet. I'm guessing you're going to try and brew something around it, just because uh, oh, yeah. it's, you know, <laughs> Glynness oh. Crane in white. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice one. Speaking of a nice one, um, I'm quite excited for this card, because I'm a big fan of seeing cards that have creature effects of old expensive powerful cards mm. um, and circle of dreams druid is one of those so for triple green you get an elf druid uh, it has the tap ability of add add one green for each creature you control and it's a two one so this is referencing guy's cradle slightly better because you get mana off itself whereas guy's cradle you don't mm-hmm. this seems really good in elves decks in commander because it is an elf yep. which is an important takeaway here it's also really good in mono green devotion decks in pioneer if you still play Pioneer, because it is triple green, so it's really good against with mm. stuff like Nick Face. Yeah. And yet, like considering the effect, like what it does, it's going to mm. be quite expensive, like in in terms of money, because Commander players will want to jam this in every sort of green, like heavy green based like creature Commander deck. And yeah, just like if you're looking to play this at any point, just pick up a couple, because I, I suspect this will be quite in demand. And I keep calling it Magus of the Guy's Cradle because that's what yeah. it is to me. <laughs> yeah, this is worth pointing out as well, though, that you mentioned that it would be good in the likes of Elves and everything, and it absolutely would. But this is just really good in, like, any creature deck. Like, as long oh, as yeah. you can, you know, reliably do the green, green, green. If you're just playing creatures, this is phenomenal. This is absolutely Like incredible. tokens as well. Yeah, like... Even even if you're not going particularly wide, like even if you're just playing a few random value creatures or something, like a three drop that can tap for, you know, six, seven every turn, like that's still by itself incredible, absolutely unbelievably good. So yes, if you can get a good deal on this at all, snap them up now because this is the mana equivalent to like Guardian Project, basically. Yeah, I'd be tempted to pre-order these as well. I would consider it. I would I'm not one. I'm not one to... Uh, usually pre-order cards but if i was like really into like green like commander especially green i'd just Mm. pick up like a set and forget about it (laughs) one of the reasons why i don't really play much green in commander is because if you want to get any of the good staples you're going to spend an awful lot of money fair it's very fair (laughs) yeah yeah thankfully you know printers exist so that's the thing right so they are some of the cards that we are most excited about in Dungeons & Dragons Adventure in the Forgotten Realms. Now, with that said, we haven't seen all of the cards yet as of time of recording. Like we said, this is Sunday afternoon, so we're yet to see both the pre-cons for the Commander decks, which we'll cover in another episode, and the rest of the previews from this point onwards. So, if there's anything that you feel like we have absolutely missed, we probably haven't seen it yet, but feel free to let us know over on Twitter anyway, at the BMcast and let us know so emma tell me a question have we got q a we have many questions this week nice. um so i'm going to set the tone this is from barbarian's riddle they sent okay. in a tweet so you come across an lgs you've never been to before on a day with no plans so you've got a free schedule okay. do you sign up for a local modern 1k event that is exactly one spot left available to you or mm-hmm. do you join an edh pod looking for a fourth 
Absolutely. Snap off the modern monkey. Absolutely, without a doubt. No question Same. Modern monkey. <laughs> yeah, same. 100%. <laughs> And the reason for that is not because of a preference of modern over EDH, though at the moment I absolutely do. The thing is, if there's a random EDH pod of three people and looking for a fourth, like you have to sit down and have the conversation of the, like, what are we looking for in the power level and all this stuff. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's totally a fine thing. I just, I'm used to playing with people that I know already and that I'm used to, like, we have expectations of each other already, you know, what we should be expecting. I don't necessarily want to sit down with like new people and have to go over all these things and stuff. It, as helpful and all as it is, I would sooner just walk into a Modern 1K knowing that I'm sitting here and my sole purpose is to play as well as I can and beat the person in front of me. Yeah. And as long as that's in my head, I can focus on playing the game and I'm going to have a much better time. Yeah. That's my answer. I agree. I would, I would also play the Modern 1K because... I, I can play Commander, but my preference is on modern. And if I just have my modern deck with me, I'm just going to snap up that 1k every time. I've been, I need to make yeah. up on the lost time. So that would be my uh, call to. <laughs> um, then we have a tweet from Kevin Foster who asks, what would you like to see from Watsy to support the Pioneer format? And if you aren't aware, for those who may have missed the news, um, Watsy are like delaying slash postponing pioneer masters on arena there's they're not working on it anytime soon so it's put a lot of question into the health of the format yeah yeah so So what would you do what i would do is if i wanted people to get into pioneer i would have bigger better events and i would I, I, I honestly i think that's kind of the main thing just have bigger and better events because if it's very enticing to go and play the format people are going to go and play the format particularly the more competitive players they're going to see that there's better ev in pioneer events and like big tournament events and stuff people are going to then see those players the the streamers and all sorts playing in these events and then go oh pioneer looks real cool and let's go play this and that's how you get it to the point that it needs to be mm. is you need to you need to utilize the community that is already sitting there throwing out tons and tons of content for formats yeah. that are currently thriving and you need to take them and you need to get them into the format that is not doing so hot right now but could be so so good but they're just not doing it so no. yeah i would have liked to have seen paper pioneer masters oh yeah that would have been good because I think a lot of the issues with Pioneer is accessibility of older cards and I know we're only talking like Ravnica onwards but mm. some of them is quite hard to get hold of I think it would be a really good opportunity to print like the rest of the Fastlands into Pioneer the rest of the the yeah. Painlands into Pioneer because that's one that's one issue that hurts with Pioneer right is that you don't have these symmetrical mana bases so deck creativity is kind of stifled mm. so Pioneer can't become its own format if you don't give it everything like all the tools it needs right um so i'd love to see like a paper pioneer masters and then see people get excited about it and then you know take it from there i would have loved to see places like seg do more stuff but obviously it hasn't happened with the pandemic mm-hmm. i think paper events haven't happened and you need that for a young format like pioneer i do hope it can come back because i think the format is genuinely great yeah. but it's tough especially when there's not going to come on arena because you have historic so yeah, yeah. Um, so from the Discord, Sid, Sid Sorry has got a two-part for us. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the cast member's best non-magic budget advice? Don't take budget advice from me. That's yeah, mine. Same. <laughs> we I'm are not financial experts. <laughs> <laughs> I am terrible at money. Do not take any advice when it comes to like actually budgeting and stuff. When it comes to constructing a deck within a certain price limit, Th- I'm fantastic. Sounds- We're good. Yes. <laughs> 
we have a niche. We're we're aware of it. Do not do not take financial advice otherwise from me. Yeah. And the second question is best recent magic experience. Oh. Hmm. Have you got one? Mine is probably picking up that beta lano oils the other week from my cube. Oh, nice. Yeah, also on store credit. That was nice. Um, I haven't really played a lot of magic, so I don't have any sick plays or anything like that to talk about. <laughs> um, I've been playing a good bit, but it's been mostly like more kind of casual stuff. But, oh, one thing that was good is that this week I got to crack Scalding Charm for the first time. And oh, yeah, because you got a playset now, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. And the first response from the person I was playing against was like, you can't call yourself budget anymore. What are you talking about? Your budget license is revoked. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe not best experience, but cracking, cracking a tyrant felt good, for sure. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. And then we have a question from Old Man Ramirez. Um, they ask, which AFR preview card are you most unimpressed with that has received the most hype thus far? And I think we kind of agreed on this one, didn't we? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The deck of many things. God, it's awful. God, I hate it. Oh, I've never... Like, here's the thing, right? When it comes to deck of many things, people hype it up in D&D, right? As being, like, this big, super powerful thing. And it is. It absolutely is. But it's, it's skewed against you. Like, you're way more likely to have something bad happen than have something good happen. And it was specifically designed in order to get players that are more inclined to do like an all or nothing kind of thing you know they're, they're they want to roll the dice and take the risk and stuff and you know when it does work it does lead for some amazing moments you know like you, you drew that wish spell you know you can do the thing that you needed to save that town or this or whatever you know but like in the last D campaign that i was in uh, my brand new character because we just fought a big bad and my other character died. My brand new character walked up and was like, I, I decided to try and play like a good character for once, you know, who's very selfless and I'll do all the things or whatever. And they put themselves forward being like, I'm going to draw from the deck. And it was to find the wish spell in order to repair the city that was destroyed. And he was like, it doesn't matter what I draw. Like, I'll, I'll do this. I'll, I'm selfless about this. I don't mind what happens to me. If I get any good things, I'll share them out or I'll give them to people. I don't mind. I just want things to happen correctly and want things to be right and the very first card he drew was donjon where you know you're sent to a, another plane of existence or whatever and just got popped out of existence and I had to roll a new character and i was like well this sucks the deck sucks and like it's true that's what happens you're way more likely for something bad to happen and i like how they captured that in this but please players for the love of god don't put it in your deck Not don't pull good. an exhibit on this don't put a deck inside your deck so you can deck while you deck because like, you're gonna have more more bad moments than you are good but you're gonna only remember the one really good moment and not the 20 bad ones that come before it and it's just it, it, it puts this bias into place right yes and it's just not good <laughs> yes but the problem is as well because there's a five percent chance for you to get a crit right? Mm. With the deck of many things, there's a 5% chance of you getting a crit if you're hellbent, if you have absolutely no cards in hand. And if you have absolutely no cards in hand and you're rolling for a 5% chance of something good happening, you're in the worst position that you could probably ever be in all of Magic. You're basically like 0% to win that game. And I know mm. there's going to be players that are going to be like, yeah, but like, I want that opportunity for the one 5% chance or whatever. And if that's you, that's fine. But for me, that is like idiocy to just play it. Uh, it's just so bad. They they could have done it so yeah. much better, in my opinion. But yeah, I agree. Uh, the second question is a sub BM cast food question. Oh, 
Which main dish or side dish do you love to eat or make now that we're in the summer months? Oh, do you have one? Do you have one you like? Mm, I need to think on this. Cause okay. like, is it a dish of like a food, like a cooked meal? Because my answer would be cheese. I don't think that counts. <laughs> summer cheese. Like a cheese board. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean that's, that's still a thing. I, I make a nice cheese board. Yeah, mm-hmm. I had one the other week. It was lovely. Got some nice um, apple and pear chutney, which was lovely. lovely. Spiced apple and pear. It was delicious. Sounds good. What I really like, I've been liking an awful lot recently, is a few months ago, um, Tom Telford, a friend of the, the cast, who's also a patron. Hello, Tom. Hi, mate. Convinced me to get an air fryer. So yeah. I got an air fryer and we've been throwing all sorts of crap into it. There was one recipe that I found that was really, really sweet, and that's corn ribs, Right. So you get like a corn on the cob, which I hate eating because, you know, it's hard to bite into and it gets stuck in your teeth and all sorts. But corn is real good. But what you do is you quarter the corn on the cob. So you split it down the middle and then split those down the middle again. Then you brush them with some olive oil, paprika, cayenne, you know, salt and pepper, spices, whatever you want. Mm. And then put them into the air fryer for about 10 minutes. And what happens is the husk on the inside starts to curl and it starts yeah. to resemble like a, like a pork rib kind of shape, Ooh. right? It's so easy to eat now because mm. it's just, it, it's all fanned out so that it's really easy to, to, to take off the, the husk. It's so tasty. It's so good. My corn consumption great. has like quadrupled. I actually have an answer now I've thought about it. So earlier in the week I was sick. Oh, I had like a head cold. Um, mm-hmm. And I think my favorite sort of dish to make, like quick snack sort of dish thing is grilled cheese. Grilled cheese is great. Grilled cheese is good. I do mine with mayo and not butter, though, because mayo gives it that crunch, and I don't know why it works, but it works, and it's really good. I do a little bit of paprika in the cheese as well. It's really good. Mm. And then if I'm, like, sick, like I was early in the week, I'd pair that up with, like, a spicy tomato soup or lentil soup, because if I've got a cold, I just want to annihilate my senses and just get rid of the, the you know, blocked upness. Yeah, that's these. Um, and then lastly, we have a tweet from Evie the Mage ninety seven. Uh, they just go to say, so with Pioneer Masters being cancelled, do you think Pioneers continue to get the support in paper, or do you think Historic will be coming to paper instead? Nope, not a hope. I don't. I'd be very surprised. Like, I think people will play Historic in paper, but it's not going to be sanctioned or supported by Watsy in paper. I think there will be people that be like, I have a yeah. deck of Historic cards. Let's go, you know, sort of thing. But I don't think it will be endorsed. To be honest, I don't even think that's going to happen. And the reason for that is because why you go, why bother going to the effort of putting a historic deck together when you can just turn on Arena and just play it then and there? And then when it comes mm. to paper, you can just bring whatever you already have. You know, if you want to play historic, it's so easy to access it by just turning on Arena. So yeah, I'm not I'm not sure that'll even happen, but. I would like to think the Pioneer will get some more support in paper and that will help get it back. But like like we said earlier on about the support the Pioneer needs, like it needs to be something pretty big and good. You know, it can't Watch just be like... money into it. Yeah, like it can't just be like, oh, we're going to have a game day. It's going to be Pioneer. Yeah. I like, miss game days. Yeah, game days are great. Great. But like... Side note. That alone is not going to be enough to revive it. It's on life support at the minute. It needs like proper mm. big tourney defibrillator action. That's what it needs. Yes. GPs mm. that are just pioneer yeah. only. Um, and then uh, Evie also mentions either way, uh, they'd be looking up to pick up a set of Fortsies, preferably OG Ferros ones. You can pick up a set for about $60 at the moment, which is, I know, is not quite budget, 
But considering how cheap Four Seasons have become, because they've been printed in like Double Masters and in other sets, it might be yeah. a good time to pick them up in case Pioneer does become popular again. The price of Four Seasons is just going to rise up again. So. Yeah, for sure. $60 to tilt your opponent to no end seems all right. <laughs> yeah, I, I have good experiences with Four Seasons. Whenever someone Four Seasons me, I just draw the card. Like Four Seasons bug in real ah. life. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to us here at the BM Cast, and a special thanks to our patrons. At the Cheering Fanatic tier, we have Alejandro, Kilgore Trout 503, Max Makes Magic, The Jess Guy, The Joe Cheney, Nicholas Martin, Bradley Rose, Ian Holland, and Christopher McCarthy. And at the Stonks tier, we have Anga Orr, Scott Creech, Simon Grip, Brian Madden, A Nice Planeswalker, Nurblin, Everett Brogan, Tom Telford, Alex Gibson, Jeff Eaton, and Bo Schwartz Madsen. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We can't thank you enough. If you want to support us and add your name to this list of lovely people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the BMcast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagicast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at the BMcast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck.